during our period, it's really a time to honor lowered energy levels, resting, you know, restorative um, practices and movement and really not feeling the need to push ourselves more than our body kind of wants or needs during that time. I feel like just the way things are in our day to day, it's always like on to the next, do more. And it's always like this, like pushing and doing and forcing almost sometimes. And so our period is a good reminder that it's okay to take some rest days and to give ourselves some of that, you know, give ourselves a break. Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you will see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feigels, and it's a pleasure as always to have you listening in today. Man, oh man, what a start to 2021 it's been, guys. I mean, if you've been following along, January was a little rough for me personally. I got COVID on my birthday and had to quarantine for about two weeks. Um, So that was interesting to say the least. Um, and then February, you know, I really thought I was going to escape it. We were all going to escape it. Major event free, you know? Uh, and then if you've been also following the news, you and here, you know that I am based in Austin, Texas. And this past week in Austin, Texas, well, it'll be like two weeks ago by the time you guys listen to this, we had the most insane, like practically a natural disaster happen. And... I don't even like know how to speak on it. It was so intense and so tragic to be a part of actually, to be impacted of it myself, to struggle. And then to also see so many others struggling just as much or even more like, holy hell. Um, But what was interesting about it is, as you guys know, I'm also working to get my period back. Never had it for like all my life because I was over exercising and not eating enough and stuck in the diet culture loop of just constantly restricting and trying to lose weight and over-exercising and all that not-so-fun stuff. And it wasn't until about four or five months ago, I made the move to Austin, Texas, started working with an acupuncturist, um, actually started to gain a bit of weight, eating was more normal. You know, I was trying to like work on all the lifestyle things and lo and behold, I got a period. Like I was actually bleeding during a menstrual cycle and I was so excited, but I was still so afraid it would only come for like one month, maybe two, and then it would go away because that's what's happened in the past. And, you know, what happened though is that month by month, it just kept coming back. And February here would be, would mark the fifth or sixth consecutive bleed I've had in all of my 21 years of living. Like that is crazy. And... I was afraid, though, that after the stress of this past week with the intense cold and the anxiety and less sleep and just like the like, oh, my God, if you had been here, like, you know, it it just did such a number on everyone physically, mentally, emotionally. I was really afraid that I would not bleed this month. I would not have a normal cycle because I'm my body and especially my period is so sensitive to 
things like that, like big life events, things where you're put through intense anxiety, um, lots of struggle, lots of just discomfort and unease and lacking the basic essentials for life at some points. And lo and behold, this is where it gets funny. Yesterday, the day before this, me recording this at least, I was working and you guys know I'm a server. So I was in the middle of a busy lunch shift, like so busy. I was exhausted, trying to chug water to stay hydrated. And I like slipped away to the bathroom real quick just to pee. And much to my surprise, my period had decided to start in the middle of this hectic, busy, like high anxiety lunch rush. And I'm like, body, I don't understand you. (laughs) I thought this was supposed to happen when I'm calm and, you know, have my shit together. But no, it's in the midst of following a crazy week in the middle of a crazy day. And so I start to minorly freak out because I'm like, I've nearly bled through my jeans before. And I was like, I cannot have that happen at work. But I'm the only server on shift. What am I going to do? And I had um, a pad in my car, but it was parked like an eight-minute walk away. And I literally for two hours could not even get a chance to even consider that idea of going down there myself and so I look up and my friend Chris who is coming on to shift after me was walking by two hands where I work he was going to get some juice or something and so I hurry over I text him like in between tables and I'm like hey big favor but can you run to my car grab my wallet uh, and bring it up to me and he was like yeah, but like, is it something I could just buy you thinking I wanted to like buy food from work? And I was like, uh, not really. Um, my period just started and I sort of need the pad that's in my wallet because I don't use tampons and that's all we had at work. And he's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, actually, I could just use a napkin and some tape. And he's like, fuck that. I'm going to get you your wallet and that pad. (laughs) So bless his heart. He went and he got it for me, brought it back. And I was saved from potentially bleeding through my pants at work. Um, but you know what? It was just a funny reminder of like, this is what it means to have a cycle, right? Like I never experienced, like, it's all good, right? Like you always want to have a cycle, healthy, you know, bleed, etc. But growing up, I never had it. So I never experienced like all the things that come with it, right? Like instances like those or the PMS symptoms or anything like that. So it's kind of funny. And that story always like, will always make me cackle when I think back on it because he was just so sweet and like just the madness of the day. But anyway, all that being said, funny stories, my ramblings aside, we have a very good podcast episode for you today with the Krista King. She is a holistic hormone expert with much knowledge, experience, and wisdom in the field of hormone health. Her approach is all about less stress for normal periods and better body wisdom. In this episode, she shares what it means to have imbalanced hormones and the impact of it actually on our overall health. She generally works with women struggling to find the balance and the harmony with hormone health. And her work really focuses on that connection between lifestyle, gut, and hormone health since they all impact each other so much. And I've seen this happen like this is so apparent in my own life as well. When my gut and my gut lifestyle has been out of whack, hormones go out of whack just as much with them. And when my lifestyle and gut are in harmony, hormones start to balance out. Like they all connect together. 
And as she shares in today's episode, imbalance hormones are actually quite common. And as you're listening, I'm sure many of you will be like, oh, that's me. (laughs) And they can produce many of the symptoms or conditions that we as women struggle with. And this could be everything from PMS to PCOS, acne, gut issues, like having imbalanced hormones can create so many struggles and issues in the body. So that's why I'm so excited to share this and help educate and spread the word so that you can become aware of if this is potentially something that you need to look into. So in this episode particularly, we discuss HPA dysregulation, which is basically just hypo... Oh, I'm not going to be able to say it. It's a type of amenorrhea, hypothalamic amenorrhea. (laughs) If you guys know what I'm trying to say, I'm sorry for butchering it. Uh, We also discuss the role of different hormones in the menstrual cycle, how hormones become imbalanced, the truth behind PMS, the symptoms we have all been told about all our lives, understanding birth control and how it works. This is not anti-birth control. This is education to bring about awareness, healing imbalanced hormones, and then lastly, the lifestyle changes that can make a lasting impact on hormone health. I apologize if you can hear my cat meowing, wailing in the background. Faye, what's going on, hon? I'm not really sure what she wants from me. I just fed them. But anywho, I really hope this episode connects, resonates with you. If you have your own funny period story or your own struggles, please reach out. Like I would love to connect on that and have a good laugh. Or if it's a serious matter, like discuss things with you, share my own experience. I am not an expert in this field. Krista is. She is licensed. She's the expert. I'm just here to be the conduit of conversation. But nevertheless, I would love to connect, and I know she would too. So you can connect with us on Instagram at forkrista at composed nutrition, linked below. And I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Let us know your thoughts, and if you think this could help a friend, send it to them. Or if you're really loving the show, really loving this episode, please feel free to leave a rate and review. It would mean so, so much. So without further ado, let's begin. I guess, would amenorrhea be the term for something like that? Because, you know, this is a common struggle of people in my community of just having, you know, either like an absence of a period or it's touch and go, they don't have it. And I would just like to kind of explore that terminology for a moment. So people kind of have a good idea of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So amenorrhea would be a missing period. Um, hypothalamic amenorrhea is missing period for more than six months when other factors have been ruled out. Um, because a missing period can also be something that shows up with something like PCOS, for example, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, can experience a missing period or really irregular periods. And so when it comes to understanding missing period as a symptom, we need to understand what our unique root causes are. And so when it comes to amenorrhea, often, you know, the biggest root causes there on a physical level are the under eating or over exercising. And then when we peel the layers back of that even more, why am I under eating and over exercising? It's really, you know, trying to manage some sort of stress or something I've been through in my life. And so we can't, you know, I like to peel back those layers to the mental emotional pieces too and see how is this showing up in my behavior that is affecting my physical body. Oh, I love that you said that because I know a lot of people will resonate with me when I say this, but I was frustrated for the longest time 
that I was back to what should be quote unquote, a healthy weight, right? I was like, why am I not getting a period? I'm weight restored. I've, you know, I've been gaining weight, nourishing my body, but it truly hasn't been um, until I actually started doing acupuncture here. And I think just the combination of that and allowing myself to be at, you know, one of like my, I don't even want to say like heaviest weight, just like letting my body just sort of be as is, right. I'm not trying to physically change it. And then working on that emotional mental side of it. I think it was just like the union of them that has really allowed me to have these five consecutive bleeds. Um, And I, so I just so love that you brought up that mental emotional side, kind of like the roots of it all. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess also in this moment here, just to explain, uh, so when it does come to our cycle, I guess if we could just like explore that a bit and bring some clarity about, you know, this menstrual cycle and what the phases of it are kind of, you know, when it, what it means when we're bleeding, because what I've learned in this time is also, it's like, you can, and I'm going to butcher the terminology here, but right. It's like, you can ovulate, but not bleed, or you can like have a cycle without actually bleeding. So could you just sort of bring some clarity there for anyone else that's going through this? Yeah, absolutely. I think we think of our cycles as either, you know, we're bleeding or not bleeding, but we're actually moving through four different phases throughout our whole cycle. And when we think of cycle, day one would be the first day of our period or of a full bleed. And Um, up until the day before the next period. And so average is 28 days, but a normal cycle can be anywhere from 21 to 35 days, as long as it's consistent, give or take a few days. Um, And so uh, day one would be our, our period, that's our menstrual phase. And that lasts for however long your period is a normal period. We wanna see between three and seven days. And um, after our period ends, we enter the follicular phase. And what's happening here is um, our estrogen starts to rise. So our hormones have been lowest during our period. Then our estrogen starts rising. That is helping to build the uterine lining, which eventually will shed for our next period. Um, And that helps to um, trigger ovulation to happen. And so... um, our brain is always in communication with our different organs that are producing hormones. And so there's a brain hormone that signals to the ovaries to ovulate. That's called luteinizing hormone or LH. And then, um, you know, we would ovulate, um, ovulation phase. We really only ovulate within a 24 hour window, but our ovulation phase or our fertile window can actually be a bit wider due to the life um, span of sperm lives longer, uh, five to seven days. And after we ovulate, that's when we start producing uh, progesterone. So that's the hormone that helps to balance out our estrogen has some anti-anxiety properties due to its relationship with our uh, one of our mood chemicals, GABA, which is our natural relaxation mood chemical. And then after, um, you know, if we do not get pregnant that cycle, then our body will then start um, our sex hormones, our estrogen, progesterone, testosterone is involved too. We'll start decreasing. We're in the luteal phase. And then, um, you know, we end up back at our menstrual phase again for our next bleed or next period. 
Okay. So there's definitely a lot of changes happening, not only with the hormones, but just with our organs, our brain messaging, everything that's happening during this entire cycle. Uh, And I guess something I wanted to touch on first is you mentioned how, you know, during our actual bleed, I suppose the menstrual phase is Mm -hmm. when all of our hormones and everything's like gearing up for all the action, right? Like everything's happening. And so how important is it during that time to treat our body? Is there something we can be doing during that time just to better support how we're feeling during that phase? Because I feel like that's sometimes the hardest to go through. Uh, And then especially like kind of leaving that phase just so we're not feeling so depleted in a sense. Yeah. So during our period, it's really a time to honor lowered energy levels, resting, you know, restorative um, practices and movement and really not feeling the need to push ourselves more than our body kind of wants or needs during that time. I feel like just the way things are in our day to day, it's always like on to the next, do more. And it's always like this, like pushing and doing and forcing almost sometimes. And so our period is a good reminder that it's okay to take some rest days and to give ourselves some of that, you know, give ourselves a break, really, when we're talking about food, really just uh, nourishing restorative meals, too. So like soups and stews are like more of those like, comfort warming foods, and then thinking about what nutrients can we help with restoring and replenishing nutrients lost in the blood. So like, our zinc or iron or B12. And um, yeah, I, I like to think of um, this phase as just, you know, a restorative mindset. I like that, that term for, you know, restorative and almost just slowing down, being mindful, kind of like tuning into like, what does my body need versus just kind of tuning out to get everything done, you know, like we usually do. Uh, And as we were saying before, there are so many different things happening throughout the entire, you know, menstrual cycle and all the phases. So that being said, I can easily see why a hormone imbalance would mess up a lot, right? In the body, it would kind of take a lot of things off track. So I guess just to explore that topic a bit, um, you know, what is the impact on our health when hormones start to become imbalanced and feel free to take this in any direction that you'd Mm -hmm. like, um, any direction you think people need to be aware of to speak about. I just really want to tune in on like how much attention it does deserve when our hormones go imbalanced, because I think it's very easy for us to write it off as, you know, something I'll fix down the road or I'm doing okay now, but um, I do know it can make quite the impact. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, When we're talking about all the hormones or our sex hormones in particular, all of our hormones are connected like in a web. And so if you kind of picture it that way, if one thing goes out of balance, there's usually a compensation somewhere else. So it's not just, there will be, you know, one hormone imbalanced, it's really thinking about how they are in relationship to one another, especially as it um, relates to our cycle. I was talking about estrogen kind of rising in the first half and progesterone in the second half. So if we have issues going on with estrogen and progesterone, you can imagine that that would show up as symptoms. Um, Common symptoms would be things like skin issues or cyclical acne, or even, you know, cystic acne, hair loss, low energy, fatigue, really any sort of period problem, whether it's missing, irregular, painful 
heavy headaches or migraines or low libido or um, really any of these symptoms that can kind of fall under the umbrella of PMS or what we would call PMS, um, the collection of symptoms that are commonly experienced the week or two before our period. So all of these things are really common. And as, you know, people who menstruate, you know, experience these, we're told it's um, normal or I I can't, uh, I'm losing count of the number of conversations I've had with people who've gone to their, um, you know, healthcare practitioners or doctors and just gotten written off or sold that the only solution is birth control. And so that really feels disempowering when we really feel like there's something going on, but we don't really feel, you know, resonating with taking, you know, a pharmaceutical to solve the problem. Yeah. And I mean, it's so standard in society nowadays. Like I, for the longest time, thought that PMS was like an indicator of just a period of a menstrual cycle, right? Yeah. Like I, I never would experience, you know, PMS. And even when I was starting to feel like, you know, I should be getting my cycle back and um, such, it was just so odd to me to kind of not experience those common s- symptoms that, like you said, like they're so common. And I think we almost kind of associate those with our menstrual cycle because it is, it's happening to so many people. But in reality, like that's not necessarily an indicator of, a proper cycle, right? Like it's, right. it's more so like a invitation to explore, you know, that something is a little maybe off balance mm-hmm. in the body. And I was actually caught way off guard by these returning, you know, bleeds that I've had the last four or five times now, because I wasn't experiencing PMS. And now I have a few things that pop up, but not so much. And so it was really neat to kind of see that shift. But I guess that being said, if someone's experiencing these symptoms, like where would you suggest they start in a sense to kind of try to work it out, figure mm-hmm. out like the next step to take? Because um, I don't know, like you said, it's, it's disempowering when you go and all you're being told to do is get on birth control or mm-hmm. whatever else, you know, to manage these. Yeah. Well, the foundation of my practice with clients is nutrition and lifestyle. And then certain supplements if indicated, depending on the person. But, um, you know, so there are definitely foundational things that we can start doing through nutrition where, you know, the biggest thing is blood sugar balance. Am I eating consistently, not having our blood sugar be, you know, spiking and crashing. So every, you know, three to five hours, am I eating and checking in with symptoms of our blood sugar getting a little crazier? I call it being on the blood sugar roller coaster, because that was definitely something that I experienced for most of my life until I kind of learned how to balance my blood sugar by eating consistently and making sure to incorporate protein, carbohydrates, and fats with meals. Um, You know, all of those have had their time being demonized at some point Mm -hmm. um, in the nutrition world, but really simply, we do need all of them and just the amount will vary depending on the person. So um, yeah. Question on that note too. So when you're saying to kind of stabilize the blood sugar Mm -hmm. curve, I guess, just so people understand how that works, could you give like a little breakdown of how blood sugar works in the body, like how that even impacts our hormones in a sense? Yeah, definitely. And so I can kind of start off with 
symptoms that we may be familiar with if our blood sugar is not balanced. Okay. So yes. if um, we're experiencing, you know, feeling dizzy or irritable or shaky, kind of hangry, even in between meals, that's a sign that our blood sugar could have dropped. And so our blood sugar is really tightly controlled and our body wants to keep it at a stable level. I like to think of it as, you know, like, is it like a gentle wave versus a roller coaster with spikes and crashes? And so our body's preferred source of fuel is glucose, which is, um, you know, the, the blood sugar. And we get that through our carbohydrate foods and our body can also produce it on its own if we're not getting enough, but that can kind of, um, tie in with some of our stress response in the body. And so we really want to be incorporating, um, carbohydrates to provide that energy, that preferred source of energy, um, but in an amount where our body can use it for energy, um, you know, instead of going on to store it for fuel later. So it's really finding that amount that works for you. And then when we incorporate protein and fat with our meals, that really helps to keep the blood sugar from spiking and crashing. So a really simple example is if we're having like a snack and having a piece of fruit, which is great because it has, you know, fiber and, and, you know, vitamins and minerals and everything. But if we include some like nut butter, for example, that has some protein and fat that helps to keep the blood sugar more stable, um, will feel more satisfied and more, um, energized really. And so it's, um, just finding the combination of those different foods that works for our body. Because some people who are struggling with um, managing their blood sugar or have um, insulin resistance. So insulin is our hormone that really helps to keep our blood sugar stable. Our body produces it and it basically shuttles the sugar out of the blood and into the cells for our body to use it for energy. And so if we have these chronic blood sugar issues, that response can slow down or just not be, just not work as well. So then our um, blood sugar can remain high or, you know, our body's trying to move it out of the blood and use it for energy, but it's just not doing that well. And so that can, um, you know, result in other issues later on um, that that's kind of where our overtime that could affect our testosterone levels, for example. And that's something uh, that we see in PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome um, in some people. And so then that can kind of be a root cause of irregular cycles. So all blood sugar is really important for our overall hormone health. Yeah. And I guess on that note, does fasting, this is, you know, cause this is such a it's been a trend. It's been a hot topic for so, so long now, but it's still something that people are, you know, there's just, there's so much out there. And so I guess from your viewpoint, like how does something like intermittent fasting affect, you know, whether it's our hormones or the mm -hmm. blood sugar levels or such. Um, and maybe it's not even intermittent fasting, but it's just like doing fasted workouts. Right. So I'm just kind of curious to explore mm -hmm. this idea of how, those longer times of, you know, some, some, sometimes it's, you know, intentional restriction from foods. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not so intentional, but how overall this fasted state affects someone who is struggling with hormones or with mm -hmm. blood sugar or with anything that we've been discussing. Yeah. So anybody who is struggling with period problems or blood sugar issues or 
really a really common thing that I see in my practice too is dysregulated cortisol levels, so our stress hormone. And so if we're experiencing issues with um, these different hormones, then really making sure that we are fueling and nourishing our bodies is really important. Um, it's also really important because of how our stress response is tied in with our blood sugar. So if we have, say, just like a, a period of stress, or just like we get stressed in a moment, like say we get like a stressful email or something, there's a whole cascade of a body response that happens due to the trigger or the stressor. And so one of those things is blood sugar rises to give our body energy to literally fight or flight. And now we're not really running away from like tigers or something, but we have these other, you know, day-to-day modern day stressors, but our body is still reacting the same way. And so one of those things is the um, blood sugar can rise, our blood pressure can rise, our breathing rate rises. So all of these things um, are happening. And then our digestion and our sex hormones take a back seat because our body's like, okay, this is not important right now. I, you know, now's not the time to bring new life into the world. Now it's not the time to worry about digesting my food. I need to deal with this stress. And that's just kind of what the body's like, you know, conversation is having with itself, I guess. And so when we think about fasting, I always, um, because I use an intuitive eating approach in my practice, which really comes down to how do the different things that I'm incorporating feel and work for my body? Is this really resonating with me? And maybe fasting works for some people, but because of the hormone space I'm in and I see all these hormone imbalances and cortisol issues, I really find that making sure we're nourishing our body and eating, you know, consistently, it's really helpful for finding some balance. And it can just be putting more of a strain on the body if we're doing this fasting. So it really comes down to what is my intention behind fasting? I love that. And bringing intention into it is such a key pivotal point, because it it really does come down to like, how does it make you feel? Mm -hmm. Or are you doing this because you feel pressure to because you you know, heard so-and-so talking about it. Um, so I think intention is, yeah, just such a key part there. And I want to touch on, you mentioned how in those moments, you know, uh, digestion, the sex hormones, everything can kind of take the back seat. And um, I think a common thing that I've struggled with, uh, something I've struggled with and something that also seems to be rather common is the correlation between hormone health and gut health. Mm-hmm. And I've just have talked to so many with this. So I guess that being said, when someone's experiencing imbalanced hormones, they're struggling in that sense, like what do you often see also happening with the gut? Is there a lot of correlation there? How do they communicate? Just to sort of explore that relationship a bit too. Yeah, uh, it's really common for me to see gut issues with hormone issues. They can really go hand in hand a lot of time. And that was part of my story too, you know, needing to heal some of the um, gut issues at the root of some of the hormone imbalances. And so it, it sometimes it just depending on what's going on, it's like, which one came first, it's kind of hard to tell and kind of, you know, it's so cyclical, and it can, uh, one thing can cause another, which causes another or can kind of have this domino effect. But if we're thinking about common root causes of really any of these health related issues that we're seeing today, it's, you know, stress, environmental toxins, um, perhaps certain medications or like prolonged antibiotic use, which I know that that was part of my story as a kid, you know, get sick, just take antibiotics for everything. Um, 
and then uh, certain nutritional deficiencies or, you know, what types of foods are we eating and how are they produced and are we getting the nutrients that we need from food? And then it's um, kind of our eating behaviors. Am I under eating or over exercising? And how does the stress from things that I've been through earlier in life, how is that affecting the body? Because that can put us in, you know, either this hyper or hypo aroused state in our nervous system. And so we can, that's where we can see anxiety or depression or kind of swinging between the two. We're not really in this balanced state because of the things that we've been through have kind of, you know, affected our nervous system. So we're on high alert. And then that ties into our cortisol then we have this, I just think of like dominoes knocking over of, you know, that can affect our gut health, that can affect our sex hormones. And, and you know, just even this like feeling like we have to do it all, uh, you know, in combination with all of those. So it's really digging into these root causes. Um, but yeah, with the gut health, um, stress can really put a strain on our gut. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I mentioned like prolonged antibiotic use that can affect the gut bacteria balance. And if we have a lot of these things going on, this can kind of put us in a prime spot for potentially bacterial overgrowth or candida or, you know, just kind of an imbalance of things in the gut. Perfect. It makes sense then also, as we were talking before, how connected everything is that if something like that's happening in the gut, that's causing more physical stress on your body. And then it's, yeah, that domino effect. I can yeah. see it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you mentioned like prolonged antibiotic use, which I feel, you know, I've same as you, I think so many of us can relate on that where, you know, growing up, it's just, it happens and um, they definitely have their time and their place. But something I wanted to touch on is when it comes to birth control. And we, you know, mentioned this before that oftentimes it is something that is handed out quite literally like candy, um, you know, just about anyone and everyone can get to it. And this is not to shame it. This is not to degrade it. You know, it has its purpose and perfectly okay. Like if you're using it, if you're on that route, but I do want to share like education and just knowledge on the topic of how birth control impacts our hormones, right. And just how it, takes place in our body so that people can, you know, be educated and just be aware of it and then make their own, you know, decision moving forward. And even just if they do decide at some point to get off of it, so they have a good idea of, you know, like how to take that next step forward. So overall, like what is the impact of birth control on our bodies, on our hormones, like in an mm -hmm. overall sense? Yeah. And like you said, um, birth control has its place and if it works for you, great. And it's not saying don't take it, but understand, um, when we're thinking about these different symptoms that we've been talking about, it's not addressing the root cause. So you may find symptom relief, but that's not because we're addressing the root cause. So if you were to ever transition off of it without addressing what was driving the symptoms to begin with, it's more likely that they will return. And so um, there are different types of birth control. Uh, the com most common ones, you know, are the pill, which can be, um, you know, just one hormone or a combination pill. Um, and then also IUDs. So we have the hormonal IUD or the copper IUD, which are actually not hormonal. Um, and so those are kind of the common ones. There are other types, but really um, what the hormonal birth control is doing is essentially blocking um, 
ovulation from happening. It's suppressing our own uh, hormone production to basically function as a contraception. If we're not ovulating, you know, we can't get pregnant. Some people may still ovulate on the hormonal IUD that kind of works by uh, thinning the uterine lining. So the egg can't implant and then the copper IUD is kind of more like a spermicidal approach. And so when it comes to the birth control, the main takeaway really is it's not addressing the root cause and just, you know, just understanding that we're not always given that information. So it's really just making a decision based on all of the information available. Um, There's a really good book too to check out called This Is Your Brain on Birth Control. That's really fascinating. It's written by a health psychologist. So just understanding all the different types of birth control and how it's affecting the body. That's a really good resource. And, you know, I work with a lot of clients who are transitioning off of birth control or have made that decision or want to. And so there's really um, a few different focus areas. So we focus on gut health, liver health, our adrenal health or our stress response and um, nutrients, making sure we're getting different nutrients to support hormone production. So those are all things that we can incorporate, even if we're on birth control currently, but really to focus on those areas to make sure that we're supporting those areas as we're making the transition off to make it as smooth as possible. Yeah, I was going to say, are there ways to support ourselves? If like, if we're still on birth control per se, you Mm -hmm. know, if someone's staying on it, um, it's just part of their life for right Mm -hmm. here, right now, how can they support themselves in this moment? Yeah. So a lot of things that we talk about as it relates to the nutrition and lifestyle pieces can still, you know, apply if we're on birth control right now, it may not be, um, you know, certain supplements that are targeted for a specific hormone imbalance, you know, if you're experiencing a specific symptom, but you're on birth control, we may not want to take some of these hormone specific supplements, for example, because, um, you know, it's not really addressing the root cause that can interfere with your birth control and how effective it is. So those are kind of the main things, um, you know, not really taking some of those hormone specific supplements, but as it relates to some of these, uh, you know, like the blood sugar and uh, our lifestyle, and we can still align with the different, um, phases, cycle phases, even if we're not, even if we're on birth control, not technically having those phases, we can still align, you know, our lives in a cyclical way, even if we're on birth control currently. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, and I'm happy you mentioned there how, yeah, it definitely gets different with supplements and such, you know, because your body's in a much different space than if it, you know, weren't on, you know, birth control. And, um, that being said, I'm just curious now from my own side, like when your body's not ovulating and it's sort of like suppressing hormones, hormone production, et cetera, do we experience a, like, could you experience a buildup of hormones when you're experiencing a hormone imbalance or you're on birth control per se, like, do, do the hormones build up inside of us? Like, how do we secrete them if we're not Mm -hmm. having a normal functioning, fully rounded menstrual cycle, like or cycle overall, if that makes sense? Yeah. So it can kind of depend on, you know, which hormone and what's going on with the person. So somebody who is producing estrogen, for example, but not shedding the uterine lining or maybe not ovulating could have a buildup 
of their uterine lining. And so that could be something where in some cases, you know, perhaps their OBG plan would want to kind of induce a bleed just because uh, to shed that uterine lining. Um, if our estrogen and progesterone are low, we would really want to focus more on, you know, supporting our hormone production. And so our hormones do go through kind of their own life cycle in the body. For example, estrogen gets metabolized and detoxified in the liver and leaves through, through the stool. And so that's where our gut health comes in again, um, as it relates to U.S. can it, can they build up in the body? And so if we're not having regular bowel movements and we are producing estrogen and it's just recirculating, that can be a root cause of elevated estrogen levels as an example. Okay. That makes sense. I was curious because I was thinking back on the last time I was working with someone on my hormones and I had she, I, I was working on some supplement because I was struggling to excrete like the excess built up estrogen. And I was experiencing, um, in my case, it was, um, a very specific pattern of like acne skin issues. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was just neat because I hadn't really thought about it building, you know, like I, when you think of a hormone imbalance, you just kind of think of not having a hormone or whatever, Mm -hmm. but in some cases it it can kind of be a buildup. Right. And as you said, in the beginning, everything sort of compensates for one another. So there's a high, there's a low, there's everything in between happening too. Yeah. Uh, So then, you know, we've been talking about just so much great discussion when it comes to understanding the hormones and lifestyle and changes and factors you can make. But overall, like where, if someone's resonating with this and they're struggling with the possible imbalanced hormones or really bad PMS, that's really impacting them. Or, you know, they're kind of on a birth control journey right now or whatever it be, like, where do you usually advise people get started? You know, is it best to find someone to work with, to get tested? Uh, I just want to provide someone with like an action step they can take if -hmm. they're really interested and really feeling into this. Yeah, definitely. I think there are, like we were talking about a bit earlier, some nutrition and lifestyle focus areas that you can kind of start digging into on your own. So there's an exercise I like to do. I call it the stress cup exercise. So if we think about all of our different stressors, like, you know, filling up our stress cup, our body is equipped to deal with stress. Stress is a normal part of life. But I, I, if we're thinking about all the things going into our stress cup and if it's so many that it's overflowing, that's when we can start having that, you know, domino effect with our stress hormones. So really digging into our stress is really important. So understanding what are my sources of stress, mental, emotionally in my day to day, but then also physical stress. So am I dealing with a lot of gut issues, uh, inflammation, skin issues, kind of how is that starting to show up in my body? And then with our, you know, kind of day-to-day stressors, um, this is something I like to come back to. It's, you know, what things can I just move off of that list? What things am I doing that are stressing me out that just don't need to be there? And we're not always going to have control over all of our stress, but we can, um, you know, manage it. We do have control over how we're managing it. So what tools can we put in place to manage the kind of what remains, where can we ask for help? And so really digging into our stress piece, um, some sleep hygiene. So am I getting, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep at night and can I implement a night routine? Can I try to put my screens away? Can I have some sort of transition from my evening to nighttime? So sleep is really important. 
focusing on the blood sugar balance piece. And with exercise, if we're doing a bunch of high intensity exercise and we're feeling really depleted after, that can be a sign from the body to scale back and incorporate some lower and moderate intensity movement, like some lower intensity strength training or yoga or Pilates or walking. Um, so those are some good starting areas. And then, um, you know, to dig more into, you know, your root causes, you know, we listed off a lot of those kind of checking in with which of these could be, you know, contributing or which of these are kind of going on for me. And then testing is really helpful kind of as a next step after doing some of that self-exploration to see, okay, where are my hormones at right now? Okay. No, that, I think that is such a like great place to start. And with the stress cup, I think what came to mind is something I did a while ago where I listed out everything in my day that causes me stress. Mm -hmm. That was a long list. I, I think it would be for most people. And then I listed out ways that I feel like I de-stress, like things that bring me extra joy, or I feel like these are non-stressful activities. And that list was hard to think yeah. of, right? Like mm -hmm. it was, and it just put in perspective for me of no wonder I'm, yeah, such high anxiety and stuck in my head and experiencing just such burnout and all these issues because I'm, I'm not kind of finding that balance between the, you know, stress is inevitable. You're going to have stress, uh, but it's like, how do you counteract that? How do you work on it, balance it out in the everyday? So um, I love that idea of the stress cup and just really analyzing that and digging deep into, yeah, everything we discussed here, doing some, you know, real self analysis. So, uh, well, thank you so much for just sharing all the knowledge, all the experience and wisdom and where can people connect with you to learn more, to follow along your Instagram posts always are just so like educational. And I just love, I have so many saved because I read it and I'm like, I need to come back to this later and dive deeper. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at composed nutrition, and you can also find me on my website at composednutrition.com. Wonderful. I will have those linked below.